There's none like you in all of the earth. Nothing is better than you. Holy Spirit, draw us into your heart even tonight. In the upcoming days, as hearts desire to draw near to you, you said if we draw near to you, you would draw near to us. And we might be drawn into your very heart. That we would know your heart. In knowing your heart, we would know the thoughts that you have, the ways that you have, those things that your word declares are higher than our thoughts, that are higher than our ways, that we might live at the highest and the best that you created for us, while all the while knowing that it's not of us, but it's of you. Truly drop into our hearts with all the things around us, all the things that are being said, all the things that we look at, all the things that are here in this world to be had, that truly in our hearts we will declare, even as the psalmist and others grasp by revelation, there is nothing better than you. That your word, that your wisdom, that your life is better than gold. Better than much fine gold, even the choice silver. That we might not be dissuaded by something that we would assume is better, that draws our desires and our attention away from you, but we would truly recognize there's nothing. There's nothing in all of the world that is better than you. Better it is to be a doorkeeper in the house of God for one day than to dwell in the tents of the wicked forever. Better to be a doorkeeper in the house of God than to party week after week. Better to be a doorkeeper in the house of God than to work tirelessly day and night just to have money. Let us to see that one day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. That you've created a way, Jesus into your very presence, into your very life. Help us to see in upcoming days the great value of that relationship. We'd no longer lowly esteem that which we have in relationship with you, but we would esteem it very highly so that in that we might walk with you every single day. We would not forget your words. We'd not forget to check and to listen to the leading of the Spirit of God that you truly might be Lord, and in that place we would understand. God, give us understanding that where you are Lord, there is true liberty and freedom. As the enemy has lied, that if we just come into that place of relationship with you and your word and the church, that somehow we're giving up something and we're bound, but that in you there's true freedom, there's true liberty. That liberty by which Christ has made us free. And we might live in that liberty. And for all those who are bound and groping in darkness, we might be that example of freedom and that we might be the light in the midst of darkness. We thank you, Father, for your anointing. Even right now. God, I, I cherish your anointing. Pray that you would cover me with your anointing, that you would cover each one with their anointing as 
being equipped to go wherever they go out, where they work, where they live, where they recreate, whatever it is, that your anointing rests upon them to minister to others. They would recognize that not only for us does the anointing break the yokes of bondage in our life, but as we carry that anointing, it is the anointing that breaks yokes of bondage to bring true freedom. We thank you for utterance to speak as we ought to speak tonight. Give us ears to hear what you're saying to us. I thank you, Lord, for what will be accomplished in every heart and every life by your word and by your spirit. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone who agreed said, amen, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. We'll high-five somebody, air hug them, do whatever you do, and uh, then you can be seated. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. There's nothing better than Him. Nothing better. Nothing better. Nothing better. There's nothing better. There's none like Him in all the earth. Praise the Lord. We don't want to bring Him down to a human level. We want to be raised up with Him. Amen. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Open your Bibles to... Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Praise the Lord. And as we uh, look into this, chapter uh, 12, verse 21, this is our foundational text. We started a couple of weeks ago. It says, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Seems like a really short verse here, but the days that we live in right now, and we look all around us, We can get caught up in all of the evil that's going on, but God has a way that he says, listen, you can be overcomers. You can overcome the evil that's in the world with good. And when you read it, it just sounds maybe like it's a a soft touch. It's a, you know, just be nice to everybody. And uh, even though people are mean and, and, and there's evil in the earth, just be nice to everybody. But really, Paul is writing to the Roman church. And if we, if you really understand this and, and begin to walk through it, um, uh, I won't be able to walk through all of it, but if you really understand the Roman church and, and where it's at, you know, he starts off in chapter 1, and I won't give you a whole lesson, I could get caught up in that, but Romans chapter 1, he, he addresses a culture in the Roman society, in the Roman church even, that is very much like what we look at today, and so he addresses sexual immorality, he addresses homosexuality, he addresses all these things that have infiltrated culture in the church. And what he says in our, in our culture, in our society, we think that we are, uh, really have come to a revolution and a revelation. But really, we've digressed. Paul was trying to bring the church out of a culture like that, and we're falling backwards into a culture. He says, actually, that, that if you insist on these things, if you insist on worshiping the creature rather than the creator... If you insist on sexual immorality and giving yourself to all manner, not just one manner, all manner of sexual immorality, God will give you over to a debased way of thinking. What he says is is really, and you have to understand this about God and about how he created us, is he'll give us a choice. If we insist on thinking like the world thinks, if we insist on thinking that our way is a higher way of thinking, God will let you think that way. But he says he'll give you over to a lower way of thinking. See, just giving place to your desires and your flesh and then saying, I was created to feel this way. No, God created you for something way better, something way higher. 
But if you insist on thinking lower, that you can't have any control over it, that you just have to follow all of those physical urges and desires, he said it's a lower way of thinking. God would like to bring us up to a higher way of thinking. Now listen, he follows that up with telling them in in chapter 2, I'm giving you just little punches, there's a way more to it. But he says, listen, you got to be careful when you start to understand this, you have to be careful to not judge people when you're still doing the same kind of thing. Right? It may not look the same. And we do that, you know, if we think about it, we do that as people. Well, I don't see how they do it. I would never. Yes, you would. And you have, most likely. Maybe not that. You might say, I would never give place to that thing. No, but you give place to something else. And he says this. He says, you have to watch that because you start to unknowingly, by judging others, you begin to despise the mercies of God. He said, if you understand that even if you're coming out of it, the only way that you came out of it is by God's mercy. And when you point the finger at somebody and say, I don't think you'll ever be able to come out of it, you're just a mess, he says, why are you judging in that way? Do you despise the mercy and the goodness of God that was shown to you? He said, it's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance, right? People change their thinking about God when they find out he's not there to strike them down, to push them down, to hold them down. But when they find out that God is so good that even when they were down, when they were down and out, when they were living according to their own desires, when they were living according to their own ways, when they were living according to the course of this world, that God loved them anyway and sent Jesus to die for them. And when they find out that God wasn't looking to put me down, but through Jesus Christ, he was looking to raise me up to the full potential of my life, to break me out of that lower, debased mindset and give me the mind of Christ, he said, so don't get to putting people down, but get to thinking about the mercy that God showed towards you. How often can we get down the road, right, of Christian life and assume that we've always been perfect? Okay, not perfect. Nobody, nobody wants to say that, right? But assume that we've really never made a mistake. But yet it was the same mercy of God. It was the same grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. It was the same blood that saved us and rescued us as it was someone else. And so he goes into chapter 3, and he begins to explain in chapter 3. He said, listen, under the old covenant... There was none righteous, no, not one. There was none that that retained knowledge. There was none that could really do good out of their, their heart because they were bound by sin. And then he explains to them, listen, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, but God, right? Under the law, we couldn't do that. But under faith and grace, God redeemed us and brought us. So he he lines out where they are. He lines out, don't start judging others. But he said, the reason that you're struggling is because of the Old Testament. But now God has brought the blood of Jesus and something brand new is emerging. It's grace through faith and it'll put you over the top. The gift of God is eternal life. So he moves through that in chapter 4, and he gets to chapter 5 and explains how sin came into the earth to bring condemnation. If we would just grab that for a while and say, listen, whenever whenever I disobey God, that disobedience is at work to bring condemnation into my life. We look around and go, people are judging me. People don't like me. People are judging me. Really, people can do that. But the first thing that happens is exactly what happened to Adam and Eve. You're trying to cover yourself. 
And so it's easier to say, the reason I'm doing this is because the church judged me. Somebody judged me. Somebody looked this way at me. Somebody... But no, sin with itself, sin in and of itself brings condemnation. That's what Romans 5 is about. Through one man, sin entered the earth. And through that sin, it spread to all men. And with that sin, it brought condemnation. But just as God is fair and just, we think, well, you know what? People will be out there. They'll talk to you and say, well, listen, what, what makes Jesus so great? It doesn't seem fair that people have to worship Jesus and not whatever they want. No, it's not fair to worship whatever you want. The way God set it up, through one man, sin entered the world. And through one man, justification came for all men. Right? That's the only fair way. You can't have sin enter through one man. You can't say, listen, Adam, I'm going to set you up as the federal head, the prototype for all mankind. You are going to be the, the leader, and what comes through you comes to all men. You can't say that, and then after that happens, go, hey, y'all, do whatever you want. No, God said through one man, sin entered to all men. Through one man, Jesus Christ, right? People go, why is Jesus the way, the truth, and the life? Because God set it up that way. And through one man, justification comes to all. And through that justification of Jesus Christ, righteousness, that which was broken through sin, relationship with God that was broken through sin, is restored through justification and the blood of Jesus. So he said, listen, he said, all you have to do, all you have to do is believe and receive the abundance of grace Right? In other words, acknowledge, I couldn't get this done by myself. Jesus did it for me. Right? It isn't anything that my works that I could boast. It's what Jesus did. And the gift of righteousness. That I'm right with God. I'm now a son and a daughter of God. He said, if you receive that with all of your heart, you begin to reign in life through one Jesus Christ. Right? You begin to reign over the things that have controlled your thought life, reign over the things that have controlled your, 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 the urges of your body. You begin to reign over them, and you begin to say no. Why? Because I'm right with God. Well, how do you think you can do that? I do it by the grace of God. Not by my own ability, but by, by what he gives. So he goes into chapter 6. You know, at the end there of chapter 5, you know this. He says, so understand the power of grace. Where sin abounded, grace does much more abound. And they said, well, should we have sin around us so grace should abound? He said, God forbid. Right? One thing we have to realize when we're looking out at good and evil and say, man, man, it's just, it, it, it's pounding. We hear every day of this evil. We hear of this deception. We hear of things going on. God, what's going on? Get ready for an outpouring of grace. Where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. Right? Where man was caught in sin and death, God sent Jesus to die for him and brought grace that would rescue every single person. So he said, listen, why would we go ahead and keep sinning? Just, well, Jesus' grace covers it. It forgives us. He said, if you understand grace and the power of it, why would you keep sinning? That puzzles Paul that that question even came up. And so he goes through the whole death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He said, listen, if you were buried with him in baptism... You also raised with him to a brand new life. And just as Jesus in dying and being raised from the dead will never die again, he conquered death, hell, and the grave. Likewise, you and I, something transformed us in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Something transformed us into a newness of life. And he said, likewise, you consider yourself to be dead indeed to sin. 
Listen, you need to read that. That thing that's got a hold of you, maybe an addiction, maybe worry, maybe stress, maybe doubt, maybe unbelief. It just seems to grab you and control your life. You need to put your foot down and say, listen, I've been raised with Christ. You no longer have dominion over my life. Come on, it's just not substance that controls people's lives. The enemy starts to control us with all kinds of things, and it's time to say, listen, I've been raised with Christ. I died to that stuff when I accepted Jesus, and I raised to a newness of life. And he says, if you've done that, if you put your foot down and you realize that, sin no longer has dominion over your life. Because we're not under the law, we're under grace. He says, should we go ahead and sin then? Again, they ask him, should we go ahead? He said, what are you talking about? He's saying you have to understand. He's talking to Christians now that when we need to understand this, right? If we're going to overcome in life, we need to understand this. He said, listen, he's talking to Christians that he just talked about sin no longer having dominion over them. Woohoo! But he said, now listen, now that you're free from sin, you have to understand something. That if you come back and give yourself over to sin, it will once again enslave and dominate your life. So there's a lot of Christians still controlled by what they've given themselves over to. There's Christians that should not be being controlled by evil thoughts, but they are because they give themselves to those thoughts. There's Christians that shouldn't be being dominated by sexual immorality, but they've given themselves to that. There's Christians that shouldn't be controlled by lying, but they've given themselves to that. He said, you have to understand that what you give yourself over to will begin to govern and control your life. So then... Give yourself over to righteousness. He said you got to understand it. If you give yourself to righteousness, if you give yourself to this God-ordained, blood-bought relationship with Jesus Christ, it will govern your life. It will set you free from sin and death. You will become a slave of Jesus, a bondservant, that he will be master of your life, master of my life, Right? We say, Jesus, just save me, send me to heaven. But he says, listen, the important thing, yes, I saved you, but the important thing is when you come to the knowledge that I'm not just your Savior, but you make me Lord. And when I am Lord and when I am first place, I can change everything. We were talking about this this morning because when Jesus becomes Lord, we recognize that the Spirit is Lord of my life. And the Spirit that lives on the inside of me has preeminence in my life. And once I yield to that Lordship and that preeminence, the Spirit of God begins to lead me. And as I begin to pull and the enemy comes in with those desires and enticing things because he's watched us. You know, some of this stuff doesn't happen by accident. The enemy is roaming about seeking whom he may devour. He's listening. He's watching. He does more than us. He's watching. He's listening to what you say. Golly, I wish I could do that. He marks that down. Man, I so want that. We get to talking. We get to feeling. We get to sharing. And the devil's listening. I love that. I wish we could do that. I, I don't like doing that. Oh, this is boring. Oh, I don't like them. Oh, I'm so offended at that. Oh, I'm so hurt at that. Those people hurt me. These people I enjoy. And he's listening and he knows. Listen, I can start moving in this tray and start by their own desires, by their own wants, by their own stuff, begin to go, come on, come on, come on, right? James says that. We think when we're tempted, oh, I'm tempted by God. He said, don't let anybody say when they're tempted, they're tempted by God. Each one is tempted when he's drawn away, not drawn to. See, the Holy Spirit's always trying to draw us to God. The enemy's always trying to draw us away from God. 
And so when our desire is for him, the Holy Spirit draws us right into his heart. But when our desires are for us, the enemy starts to draw us away from God. And when we're drawn away and we're enticed, all of a sudden we grab that. It gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's full grown, brings forth death or separation from the very life of God in that area of our life. Right? And so Paul is just talking to us about watch who you give yourself over to. Watch who you give your thoughts to. Watch who you give your words to. Watch who you give your life to. Right? So he goes into to, to chapter 7. And he, he, he's talking about this. And so they've assumed that the law is bad. And he said, listen, the law is not bad. The law was good because the law showed up that you can't do all the things that God created you to do on your own. You always fall short. Without the law, people would have run rampant sinning. The law showed up. You need God. You need God. So the law wasn't bad. Even in today's church, we're like, throw the law out. Jesus didn't say throw the law out. Jesus, the law was good. He said the law was good for something. It showed up sin. But then Paul went to say, listen, it was good. We won't denounce the law. But there's a place that when sin is showed up in our hearts, then we begin to realize and recognize that Jesus Christ is the one that helps us to overcome. He overcomes that nature, the things that we want to do that we don't seem to do and the things we don't want to do that we keep doing. There's a law of sin and death that's working in our members. But when we accept Jesus Christ, there's the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus that sets me free from that law of sin and death that he explains in Romans chapter 7. And so in Romans chapter 8, he says, there's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. If we're going to walk after the flesh, there's going to be condemnation. But when you begin to follow the Spirit and make mistakes, don't fall under condemnation, but fall under justification and forgiveness and continue walking in the Spirit because you're free. He goes on to talk about the spirit of adoption. He goes on to talk about that God will never leave us or forsake us. He goes on to say that all things work together for good to those who love God and who are called according to His purpose. See, Paul is just lining out a whole letter here, and he gets to chapter 12, and he ends this, and he says, listen, overcome evil with good. You are an overcomer. Right? Romans chapter 8, he says, we're more than conquerors. Told the Corinthians church, thanks be unto God, who always causes us to triumph. He said, listen, I've learned to abound and I've learned to be a base. I've learned to be rich and I've learned to be poor. I've learned in whatever state I'm in to be content because I can do all things. Everybody say all things. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Listen, in a world that's trying to bombard us in our thought life, we need to get back to those confessions of victory. Right? Instead of living defeated and saying, listen, I, I, I want to talk about how I've been battered and beat by the storms of life and the enemy. We need to say, listen, all that's in the past. I'm over that. I'm over that now. And thanks be unto God who always causes me to triumph. Because without that, we really won't be able to overcome what comes because we keep focusing on the evil that's attacked our life instead of saying, listen, I'm overcoming that. And so I believe in chapter 12, he begins something and we're starting at the end to get to the beginning. And so we shared this last week, Romans chapter 12, verse 1. It says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, 
which is your reasonable service. Others' translations say it's your reasonable service of worship to present your body, your physical body, holy and acceptable to God. In other words, to say, here I am, God. To not give our bodies over to sexual immorality, not give our bodies, our bodies, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6 says our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. It's something he says, you got to realize this, you got to recognize this, you got to understand this. He said, why would you give your body over to things of your own desire? Your body is no longer your own. You've been bought with a price. And so we give our bodies over to him, sanctified, right? Washed by the blood, cleansed from that. And say, listen, I'm going to give my body over to you, right? If we're going to overcome evil with good, we first have to start to deal right where we live, right? And that is saying, listen, I'm not going to give myself over to evil. I'm not going to give my body over to things that are not of God. I'm going to give my body to him, a living sacrifice, holy to God, which is my reasonable service of worship. All right, Romans chapter 12, verse 2, and number 2, if we're going to overcome evil with good. How many of you want to overcome evil with good? Praise the Lord. We can, we can fight Everything that's in our world today, we can fight, we can argue back, we can just debate day in and day out, we can go as long as, as the day, you know, we can argue as long as the day is long, but God has a plan for us to shine as a bright light. You know, in athletics, there's so much, you can trash talk, you can do all that, but really, it all comes to evidence with really how you perform on the field, Right? It's not how well you talk the talk, it's how well you walk the walk. And so what he's saying here is we overcome evil with good, not by how much we talk about it, not by how much, but how well we are and how much we are willing to give into the good things of God, the goodness of God, the life of God to overcome evil with good. Are you all with me? All right, so he starts off with what? He starts off with our body. We're going to overcome evil with good. Listen, we got to we got to take a hold of this flesh, right? So we even talked about today. You know, the flesh and the spirit—they don't agree. If you're going to overcome evil with good, Galatians says the flesh and the spirit are warring against one another, right? And so the understanding that this physical body has its wants and its desires, but I set that aside. It's not it's not the flesh. It's not my own anymore. It's not my own desires. I give it over to God. And in verse 2, it says, but do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So the first thing in, in getting to the end of what Paul is talking about here, overcoming evil with good, we have to give our body a living sacrifice, purify ourselves, give God a vessel of gold ready, meat for the master's use. Jerry shared that message, just how much power can flow. We want power to flow through us. We want to be vessels, carriers of the power of God, right, in this mortal body. We're not just talking about floating spiritually somewhere. We're talking about being able to carry the power of God, to lay hands on the sick and the sick recover, right? To be a vessel. And he says, to be a, a really good conductor, to be a really good place where the power flows, we have to purify ourselves. to be vessels, meat, ready, prepared for the master's use. That's what Paul uh, told Timothy. He said, you got to, in every house, there's vessels that you can dump trash in, or there's vessels that you can serve great food in. He said, I don't really want to come and present myself through a trash can. 
right? I don't want to have people have to weed through the smell of sin and all that stuff to get to me. But there's a vessel of gold. We're not talking about self-righteousness. We're talking about something that we've done. We've given our body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. He says, now don't be conformed to this world. And so we see, how do we most conform to this world? The bombardment of information and thoughts that come against our mind. Really, I I was listening to this uh, not too long ago, and I forgot the actual statistic, but it was really uh, amazing that even in our culture, the ungodliness that, that is presented in so many ways in the entertainment industry and really uh, through media types of any sort, said the things that 20 years ago we would not accept, we readily accept and not only accept, we endorse today. How did that happen that we begin to accept unrighteousness as the norm? Without even thinking about it, we became conformed to the world. We let them hammer us. Listen, the devil knows that faith comes by hearing and hearing by words. He knows that faith comes by hearing and hearing by words. It's no mystery that people come up with, uh, leaders and politicians come up with talking points, and they say it. The media comes up with talking points. So if you're watching all day long, they're saying the same thing every hour, every day. You can listen right now. Unless something breaks, you hear the same thing at 10 that you heard at 9. You hear the same thing at 11 that you heard at 10. You hear the same thing at 12 that you heard at 11. You hear the same thing at midnight that you heard at noon. Why? Because if they keep saying it and they keep saying it and they keep saying it and you listen to it, eventually you're going to believe it. That's why Jesus said, take heed what you hear. Take heed how you hear. Because it begins to bombard your mind, and without even thinking about it, you'll start to repeat what you've been hearing. And we get conformed to the world, and he said, listen, what we need to understand is this principle. Faith comes by hearing. Faith in God comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So we have people, listen, none of you, you're Sunday night, praise the Lord, you're awesome. Just church-wide, we have people that will listen to Fox News. I'm not against Fox News. Just listen to what I'm saying. I don't want to get emails and tell me I'm a Democrat or something just because I said this. I'm not, a, I'm not going that direction. But we have Christians who will listen to Fox News faithfully. But then they don't have time to come to church on Sunday morning. And they wonder why they're angry, why they're stirred up, why they're stressed out. Because they're listening to something other than the word of God. But if we want faith in God, we got, want confidence in the day that we live in. We want confidence that we can rise above this situation, whether financially, sickness and disease, poverty, mental torment, the anguish that's hit our nation, the injustice. We can rise above it. The only place you're going to get the right information is by hearing and hearing the word of God. It's subtle. But we just start listening, we start listening, we start listening to all the things, all the troubles, all the sorrows, all the debates, all the anger, all the opposition, all the division, and all of a sudden we find ourselves divided. We don't know how we got there because it's what we kept hearing, what we kept listening to, and pretty soon it was in our mind, and we started listening to our own mind, which gets us back to Sunday's message, who told you? 
When you're thinking the whole world's against you, who told you the whole world's against you? When you're thinking, the, you know, in your own mind, you get fearful and you're like, the world's collapsing. Who told you the world was collapsing? From what I'm listening to, God's saying he's about to raise the church up in a strength and a glory. Why do we think we're going down when God says we're coming up? If you're listening to God, he says, we're coming up. If you're listening to the world, it says, we're going down. We're going down fast. Well, I don't know about you, just for basic principle. I mean, there's a lot more to it, but basic principle, I'd rather be going up. Even if we're going to crash, I'd rather crash thinking I'm going up. Well, I want to know if I'm crashing. Well, praise the Lord. I want, you know, if I crash and it's over, praise the Lord. At least I was thinking about going up when we were going down. Some people just want to think about the negative but, and then wonder what's happening. He said, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Praise the Lord. You know this. We, we, we read it all the time, but I'm going to read it again. We're going to read a couple of scriptures, then we'll close. How do we overcome evil with good? Number one, we give our body as a living sacrifice. You say, listen, I want to get to some really good stuff of overcoming evil with good. You just got to start with a very basic foundation. <laughs> Give your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service, reasonable service of worship. He gave himself for us. It's just reasonable that we give ourselves for him. The Message Bible of Romans chapter 12, verse 2. He says, don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking about it. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out, readily recognize what he wants from you, and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you and develops well-formed maturity in you. Praise the Lord. In Romans chapter 8, it tells us that we set our mind or we pay attention Set our mind not on the things of the flesh, but on the things of the spirit. Listen, if we're going to overcome evil with good, we are going to have to set our mind on good things. We're going to have to set our mind on good things. So all kinds of things are going on in our mind, our mindset, right? We get a mindset about something. We get a mindset about people being against us. We get our mindset about people uh, being mean to us. We get our mindset on the world's going down. We get our mindset on what if there's financial collapse. And that's just what your mind starts to whirl about and whirl on. But if we start to think about and meditate on what Jesus has done for us, more than what culture has done to us, more than what people have done to us, but we think about what Jesus has done for us, we think about good rather than evil. Colossians chapter 3 says, if you've then been raised with Christ, how many of you have been raised with Christ, right? If you've then been raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Why is it so important that we set our mind on Christ who is seated in heaven? Because we're seated with him. We're seated with him. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Right? When you were raised with Christ, there's, a, there's an eternal purpose. We were talking about this this morning. 
But there's an eternal purpose down on the inside of you. Eternity is in our hearts. And when we start to look at that reality, you set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And I've said this over and over and over again, but it's not hidden from you. God's not playing hide-and-seek from you. It's hidden for you. And to understand the value of what God has put in you, it's hidden for you, so the enemy can't just ransack it. He's been trying to ransack your life and the vision and the call and the purpose that God has had in your life. That's why you feel abused. You feel taken advantage of. You're hurt. You're wounded because the enemy continually comes to batter you so you never, you give up and you never think about, wait a minute. And we're thinking, why isn't God doing something? God has done something. God has created you. God has put a heavenly purpose in you. God has put gifts and callings in your life. He said they don't come out of your head, they come out of the inside, and they're hidden not from you, they're hidden for you. And the way you mine those things, those valuable things, right, there's just some things that you can start mining that are in your heart that are more precious than gold. And we really would like to to mine the gifts in our life, like a miner who comes up and says, you know what, I just want to stop off at the stream a little bit. I want to pan for some gold. I want, to, I want to just spend a little while, come up with some gold dust, go cash it in, have some relief, pay the bills for the moment, and we'll be all right. But the guys who struck it rich said, I'm not going to stay on the surface. I'm not going to stay on the surface and find a little bit of dust that's been carried down with some stuff. We're going in. Right? We're going in. We're going to do some blasting. We're going to do some picking. We're going to do some shoveling. We're going to do some carting out. And we're going to find that main vein. And once we find that vein of gold, we have found true riches. And it wasn't hidden in the earth from everybody. God says, I've given you this to freely enjoy. It wasn't hidden from people. It was hidden for people. And it was hidden for the people who would go into the earth with a determination to find it. There's things on the inside of us that the Holy Spirit says is only going to be found by a determination and a value of what's on the inside of you. That you'll take your thought process and begin to think like God thinks. To to thought life sink into the very reality of spiritual life that begins to draw up and define the things that are more precious than gold. He said, you really can't mind that stuff without the mind of the Spirit. Because it's not carnally discerned, it's spiritually discerned. Paul prayed for the church at Colossae. He said, I I pray that you'd be filled with the knowledge of God's will, with all wisdom and spiritual understanding that you might walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being productive or fruitful in every good work, strengthened with mighty power for all patience and long-suffering with great joy, knowing that you've been qualified to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. You've been delivered from the power of darkness and conveyed into the kingdom of the Son of His love. He said, listen, to to have the knowledge of God's will You have to have wisdom and spiritual understanding. God's will for our life is not carnally discerned. It's not fleshly discerned. It's not in the mind of the flesh. It's in the mind of the spirit. If you're here tonight and you've not been baptized in the Holy Spirit, you don't pray in other tongues, you've been told that's a weird thing that's passed away, but it's not. 1 Corinthians 14 tells us, 
that a man that prayeth in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. How be it in the spirit he speaks mysteries. What does mysteries mean? It means divine secrets. So what happens when you're praying in other tongues? You are mining the things of the spirit, those, those things that are hidden with Christ in God, the very purposes for your life and your spirit that are hidden that our carnal knowledge can't tap into. You begin to pray out by the spirit of God. And as you pray them out by the spirit of God, you begin to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Your mind begins to change about your purpose in life and what has happened to what future and hope that God holds for you. And we begin to pray it out. So we set our mind on these things, and as we set our mind on these things, heavenly realities instead of earthly trivialities, and we begin to pray in tongues in line with the thinking of the Word of God, all of a sudden the Spirit of God edifies us, builds us up, strengthens us for that very purpose. It says a man that prayeth in an unknown tongue edifies or strengthens himself. Yet we get into our thought life and think, I can't pray right now. There's too much going on. There's too much anxiety. There's too much stress. I don't have time to pray. I can't take that time to pray. We need to take that time to pray. And not take that time and let our mind spew things that are troubling us, but take that time and quiet our mind and begin to pray in the Spirit. Because as we begin to pray in the Spirit, your mind is unfruitful. Why do we not be anxious for anything but by prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving, make our requests known to God? Because then the peace of God that passes all understanding guards our heart and our mind. When you're anxious and you don't know what's going to happen and you don't know how things are going to turn out, it's a great time to pray in the Spirit. Why? Because He does know how it's going to turn out. And He has your best in mind. He has your highest and your best. That's what He's shooting for, to bring out in you the highest and the best. So he goes on in Philippians chapter 4. We're closing with this. I encourage you. I know you have your devotion time, your study time. You're meditating on being led by the Spirit or in, in, in that. But if you just decide, you know what, I'm sitting around. I encourage you to read the book of Romans. Let the Spirit of God show you things. It applies so much to what we're looking at today, what we're dealing with today, how we can begin to move and operate in the very things that God has for us. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, again, I'm not sharing anything that's mind-shattering, mind-blowing tonight, but I believe that in, if where we're at, we can take what Paul said and realize and recognize, listen, when I look at the, the news, when I look at things, and, and, and it just tries to get me, I know that I can overcome. I'm an overcomer. I can overcome all of this with the goodness of God. If I live in the goodness of God, right, I can overcome all of these things. Praise the Lord. All right, now I've got to get in the right translation. Philippians chapter 4. Verse 8, he said, listen, you've come to God, you've prayed, you've got peace in your heart. Now, finally, finally, if you've done all that, there's something that you need to keep in mind. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, everybody say true. Whatever things are noble, everybody say noble. Whatever things are just, everybody say just. Whatever things are pure, everybody say pure. <laughs> whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report. 
If there's anything virtuous, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Come on. He doesn't say, finally, now that you've got peace in your heart, go and start worrying about the things that are hurtful and dysfunctional and the wounds and the hurts. He said, now listen, now that you've got peace, you've got to give your mind over to what's true, what's noble, what's just, what's pure, what's lovely. We want to talk about good reports, not bad reports. We want to talk about things that are virtuous, things that are morally right and excellent and powerful. We want to talk about things that are worthy of praise. Worthy of praise. I don't know what to praise God about. Well, we can always find something worthy of praise. And if we meditate on those things, listen, part of the evil that tries to enter into our life tries to enter in through our mind. It's the arena of faith. If we want to overcome evil with good, we're going to have to not only give our bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is our reasonable service, but we are going to have to give our thought life over to God. And I know if you're here and you've been here for a long time, you're like, Pastor, you know, you keep talking about this stuff. Don't you know anything else? Well, no, not really. But there's no reason for us to move on until we get it. And if we're honest and we look at ourselves and we look at the last week, how many negative things, bad report things, how many worrisome things, how many unjust things did we think about? And how long did we meditate on them? If you can honestly say, I didn't think about any of that stuff. I only thought about what was right there. Then you are experiencing victory. And you're glad to hear this because you're like, yes, that's what I'm doing. And everybody can do it and we'll have victory. If you're like, let's get on to something real spiritual. It doesn't get much deeper than this. Stealing right on the home front. Right? Come on, we're, we're going to get to things where we reach out to other people, but I'm, I'm thoroughly convinced. Just stay with me for a moment. I'll ramble just a moment. But the more that I study, and I get in trouble with this particular scripture lots of times, but as I study 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and God doesn't want us ignorant of spiritual things, and we love the gifts of the Spirit. I love the gifts of the Spirit. I love to move in the gifts of the Spirit, how we generally look at them and you know, have a word of knowledge for somebody that exhorts them or have a word of knowledge for somebody that protects them. But you know where receiving the word of knowledge starts? It starts right where you live. We're seeking a word of knowledge for somebody, and the Holy Spirit's giving you a word of knowledge for you. You know how you can overcome that situation? You know how you got into that situation? No, I don't want to hear that. I want to have a word for somebody. He says, no, I want a word for you. And if you'll learn how to apply a word of knowledge and a word of wisdom in your life, if you'll learn to pray in the Spirit and listen for how the Holy Spirit translates that into your life, you'll be able to operate in tongues and interpretation of tongues. If you allow faith to work in overcoming areas of your life, you'll be ready to operate in gifts of faith. I know a lot of that's for the profit of all and it's outward, but I'm more convinced that the Spirit of God is saying, these manifestations of my Spirit I want to start with you, and when you get proficient at it in your life, watch how it works 
outwardly. We've tasted of those manifestations of the Spirit. We've tasted in, in, in places where people are proficient at it. We've tasted of it where people just want it and they say a bunch of stuff and say it's God and it's not God. And so you can have extremes, but I believe God is never extreme on one side or the other. He says, I want to put you right here so it's full of power and demonstration. And when we come to that place of Acts chapter 3, they arrive there at the gate beautiful, and he wanted something from them that was least important. But what they possessed was something that was much more important. And listen, they said, what you want, we don't have. What you think you want. Actually, they were saying, what you think you want, we don't have. But what you really need is what we have. And such as we have, right? Not such as what we want to have, right? I'd love to give you a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, but I've never had, I've never obeyed it in my own life. But what such as I have, I give to you in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. So as we experience these things in our personal life, we'll be ready to transmit them into the lives of others, overcoming evil with good. Why don't you stand up? Father, we thank you, we praise you, we magnify and we glorify you. For you are good and your mercy endures forever. As we go out from this place, I pray for each one, Lord God, that they would go out knowing that they are accompanied by the Holy Spirit. That your word declares that you'll never leave us or forsake us throughout every day of this week. We would be ever conscious that, Holy Spirit, you are with us. You're with us wherever we go. If we go to a place that we should not be, you are with us. If we face, say things we should not say, you are with us. But you are with us to help us say things we should say, go places we should go, do things that we should do as those who follow you. So give us an awareness and a consciousness that you are with us. Whatever we're doing, you're with us at work, you're with us at home. You're with us when we come, you're with us when we go. It's how we know that we're blessed coming and we're blessed going is because you're with us when we come in and when we go out. Help us to acknowledge that in ways that we've never acknowledged it before, that we might hear your voice, we might know your heart, we might know your ways, we might understand what you have planned for us. We thank you, Lord, for leading and guiding us every day into a greater depth of the truth of our redemption and our salvation. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.